Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to an all-you-can-eat week here at Rock Truck Blog Headquarters and the Inside the Paint podcast. A lot of you guys will be eating plenty this week, but you can also consume plenty of Kansas basketball content because we're going to do like four podcasts in the next like eight days. Guys, what better way to spend your holiday and your well-deserved time away from school and work than by talking about the Jayhawks playing a bunch of mediocre basketball teams in paradise, right? You guys got to be stoked. I mean, who needs family when you have Jalen Wilson? That's true. Many people would welcome the opportunity to talk about anything whenever they're spending time with family as much as some of us will be over the next few days. Uh, Nick, we, we were uh, we were talking a little bit before this, uh, making fun of Landon about how he's a big soccer person. Everybody's excited about the World Cup. It may just be you and I on one of the shows later this week because Landon will be uh, looking forward to... Dipping my zero- entire body in red, white, and blue paint. That and preparing for the 0-0 potential final score. Nick, how many minutes of the World Cup have you watched? I watched the entire U.S. game against Wales. Hey! 90 minutes. 90, probably like 106 minutes, actually. Look at that. You spent all that time watching a draw. Like, that's got to suck, right? Like, what what was your reaction watching? No, soccer is great. You know why? It's not like the NFL where you have three-minute TV timeouts every two exactly. seconds of game action. Thank you. You watch forty-eight minutes straight of soccer, and then you get the advertisements, and then it's quickly back to the second half. The NFL, you see a guy throw a ball, timeout. Guy gets hurt, timeout. Throws another ball, timeout. So, so soccer has done it right for audience retention. It's just up to whether you think that kicking around a soccer ball for 90 minutes is exciting which of course each other and pads are which both are exciting in my opinion i agree well luckily for us we're about to talk about a sport where the uh there aren't very many timeouts and unlike soccer the refs are never a problem and that would be college basketball guys everybody's very excited with the uh the the current state of college basketball officiating just like they are with the soccer officiating right that's kind of the 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 vibe that i got everyone loves all soccer as var (laughs) And whereas uh, uh, college basketball has, Monitors. well, it almost John had a Higgins white leaning over the scores table for, for five it almost had a minutes. white guy uh, white guying his way to a victory at Allen Fieldhouse. This game was a week ago, so let's let's blow the air horn and talk all about it. I'm Ryan Landreth. I'm Landon Fields, and I'm Dick Wiper. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Let's talk about our favorite bird, I guess. I've been doing this podcast for half my life which always features Thanksgiving games, and I can never come up with a good bird pun. Oh, well, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Number six, Kansas, 82. Southern Utah, 76. Um, Wow, yikes. Uh, how would we have opened the show had uh, Southern Utah made like one or two more three-pointers and that score had been very different? Well, you would have opened it with a, at least four or five crash drops consecutively played. Some expletives. Probably would have featured this. Damn it, Bill! But instead of, of Bill, it would have gone um, Damn it! Norm Roberts because that would have been awful. But they did not lose. The Jayhawks 
unexpectedly squeak by a 20-point underdog Southern Utah team who came in Allen Fieldhouse. We talked on the last show. Props to us for getting one thing right. We said their numbers are very impressive. They've only played D2 teams, so they are a total wild card. You know, they, obviously their quality of competition wasn't very good, but they were smacking D2 teams by 60 or 70 points. Had no idea what to expect. We knew that there was an opportunity they could be good, and they were definitely fearless. This entire game was played within an eight-point margin. That's the biggest Kansas League got the whole night, and that was in the final two minutes. Kansas led by just one point with less than a minute left when Grady Dick, once again, hit a game-icing three-point shot, uh, which sealed the fourth win of the season. Uh, did you guys watch this game live? I know Nick did because Nick was was waiting for a parlay, and uh, it worked out I wasn't well watching it live. I was just looking at the ESPN score. I Landon, was were you watching it live? That's right. No, I actually didn't get to see this one live. I went and did something. I think I saw a movie. This was a really entertaining game. Just a really fun-to-watch game. There was good shot-making. The pace was up. There were a lot of turnovers, but it didn't matter because each team was making more plays on offense than they weren't. Uh, my my thoughts about this were, even though it was the, the scariest game Kansas has played this year from, a, oh my gosh, they might lose, I was I was completely entertained. It was great. I assume that at least one of you guys re-watched or saw the highlights. What were your thoughts? Uh, whenever I, you I re-watched the whole thing. Okay, um, I didn't even know what happened either. All I knew was the score up until like 24, 23 or something something right around there. That's all I knew. Oh, so you, you had a real treat. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got to see the whole, basically the whole thing, um, not knowing what happened. Uh, I also assume that you knew they didn't lose because the group chat with Nick and I would have probably tipped you off had they lost at home to Southern Utah. I was fairly sure they didn't lose based on not having 70 texts in the group <laughs> message. Um, yeah, it was close. Allen Fieldhouse was popping on Friday night. It was cold outside, but it was a fun atmosphere. They turned up the volume, and they had to several times because Kansas was in a dogfight against a team that came in as a 20-point dog. Nick, let's talk about, once again, the uh, the guy who hit the game-winning shot. I know that Landon and I have both had Grady Dick monologues. I feel like it's your turn now. Let's kick us off. Yeah, Dick uh, hit the biggest shot of the night, but Jalen Wilson was the star. Um, oh, oops, I put the Jalen Wilson thing first. Okay, let's talk about Jalen Wilson. Go here. ahead. Yeah, Jalen Wilson was a 10 for 18 on twos, two for four on threes, plus seven for eight at the line, efficient there. Six rebounds, four assists, 34 total minutes. Was much more efficient than he was against Duke earlier in the week. Stayed aggressive the entire night and uh, was consistent enough to give Kansas baskets they needed to avoid falling behind. Yeah, and just I think I talked over you whenever you read his final point total, 33 for Jalen Wilson, which is the most he's ever scored uh, by a substantial margin. His career high entering this game was 25, and that was just happened. That just happened in the last game Kansas played. Landon, we've had a lot of Jalen Wilson conversations this year, uh, but his first four games here: 98 points, 37 rebounds, and 17 assists. You do the math on that, and that is 25 points, nine rebounds, and four assists per game shooting 47% from the floor despite taking 20 shots per game. He's averaging about 10 made baskets per game. 81 total shots for Wilson in four games, which is already a quarter of how many he took last year in 37 games. Uh, two questions here. One, very little bad things to say about Wilson, I'm sure, but, but do you have any takeaways about what you observed? And the second question is, how are you expecting Jalen Wilson's usage to change as we get deeper into this year? 
yeah, that is actually obviously nothing nothing really negative to say so far this season. That's for sure. Uh, he's been spectacular. What I am going to look for as we get closer to conference play, and just as they play, um, you know, more more power conference opponents even uh, in the next coming weeks, I am I am really interested to see if he's going to continue to be a guy that's going to take you know twenty plus shots a night, or if that's going to trail off. Um, I think regardless, I think he's going to have a very good season. I think that is evident. But there are absolutely going to be a couple stretches, or at least games every so often, where he instead of going twelve of twenty two goes like 5 of 21, uh, and it's going to be gross, and he's going to have like 11 points, um, and can you survive those nights? I think that's still going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully, he's completely turned a corner, and he he just will not be that level of inefficient ever again. Uh, it's possible. We've seen guys take that leap from junior to senior year, um, but I'll see. Uh, but yes, obviously, Jalen Wilson, he's been the best player on this team so far, despite Ryan's comments on the last show. Um, and I continue for that to be the, the case. And he, he might he might well average 20 a game, especially if he's going to take 20 shots a night. Jeez, yeah. Well, and the question isn't for me, um, is he going to have those, you know, 5 for 21 nights? He will. And considering how Kansas is struggling to get anyone other than Grady Dick when he's on the floor, uh, and other than that, nobody else, the fact that they're struggling to get guys consistently scoring they need to get that figured out sooner rather than later because when Wilson does have that stretch, if no one has stepped forward yet, uh, they're going to be at a prime danger to lose to a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team in a 60-55 to 55 sort of game. Wilson has been the team's best player. I don't know if he's their best pure basketball player, which is what I said on the last show, because I think Grady Dick can do things Jalen Wilson can't. But there's no doubt who this team's leader is. There's no doubt who their go-to guy is. And there's no doubt who's been their most valuable player so far. Jalen Wilson was spectacular. I think this was the best game of his career. Uh, I, I don't know if it's fair to say just because the guy scored the most points of his career, that doesn't mean it's his best because he played great in games like Creighton and, uh, and uh, North Carolina in the NCAA tournament last year. But just how aggressive he stayed the whole game. Every time they needed a basket, they went to Wilson. He never settled. You never saw him in the Duke game. You saw him pull up like, well, I guess I got to shoot this because no one else is going to. You didn't see him settle in this game. He attacked the basket. Another huge step he's made in his game is free throw shooting. I posted his stats on Rock Chalk blog. 63% as a freshman. 72% as a sophomore. 80% as a sophomore in postseason games, and now 87% this year uh, as a junior. He has improved that so significantly in his game. He's become an all-around player. Nick, are we talking about the guy who probably should be the leader for Big 12 Player of the Year right now? Yeah, I think all the stats point to that, even though if you look at the higher volume and you might see him take that many shots and say, you know, maybe it's just part of the role he's playing at KU, but I think right now, you're looking at the stat line, I don't think there's any argument, at least conference-wise, that he's the best player or most valuable player for the, the league. At the beginning of the year, we all answered an over-under of 14.5 points per game for the season for Jalen Wilson. Uh, if I up that line right now to 17.0, would you take an over? Say that's that one more time, sorry. Creighton and Arkansas are on. If I change Jalen Wilson's over-under as a season to 17.0, would you say over? Probably, honestly, which might be crazy. That might look insane come four games into conference play, but I'll say yes. Nick, would you confidently say over? Yes. 
Because Ochai Abaji, remember, got off to an insane start where I think he had 100 points in the first three games or something like that. And we saw that kind of slowly. The production tapered off a little bit. He was unbelievable in November and December. Good in January. Pretty good in, in February. And up until the NCAA tournament started, he was rough in March. I think you're going to see Jalen Wilson be, be capable of succumbing to that as well. But I don't know if the volume of his shots, he takes more shots at the rim He's a good free throw shooter and draws more contact than Ochai Abaji. He may be able to be more of a volume player than Abaji was at times, just because he's not purely relying on three-point shots. I don't know. Is that Am I grasping at straws, or does that sound about right? No, I think Abaji might be able to keep his... Or not Abaji, sorry. Wilson, I think, might be able to keep his scoring floor up a little bit because he can get to the rim so well. Um but yeah, it is going to be really interesting. I mean, it also depends on like, can he, sh if he does shoot free throws consistently and makes them consistently, then, you know, that also is going to be a huge check of the box to, to get to 17, 18, 19. Um, we'll see. I don't know. Nick, do you think he can actually get there more so than Abaji could? Do you think he could finish stronger? I think so. Yeah. I think, I think Abaji stat line, um, regressed quite a bit later on in the season so I do think Jalen Wilson just with the role he's playing this year I think Ochai Abaji had a lot more guys and actors around him to be able to to fall off a little bit and and, and not be a concern for the team Jalen Wilson's gonna have to be relied on the entire season that's pretty cemented at this point unless we see something new from MJ Rice or, or he gets more minutes but I think he's going to be the primary scorer for Kansas. That's where the ball is going. We saw last year the biggest goal for Bill Self was to get the ball, was to get the ball to Dave McCormick and to Ochai Abaji. This year, it's going to be Jalen Wilson. So, yes. Ochai Abaji last year averaged 18.8 points per game, which is just a little. I mean, Jalen Wilson's averaging 25, but that's going to change. But Abaji didn't even take 14 shots per game, and more than half his shots were threes. Jalen Wilson right now is shooting seven more shots per game than Abaji, and he's taking, whereas Abaji only averaged, uh, I'm getting the numbers backwards, Abaji seven shots, uh, no, it was seven and seven, 14 shots, averaged seven twos, seven threes a game, uh, whereas Jalen Wilson's averaging way more twos than threes. So uh, that should theoretically give him a better chance to shoot a little higher percentage and be a little bit more consistent of a player. But Landon's right. Uh, he is going to have a couple stretches where the shots aren't falling and he's not having as much luck uh, getting the roll off the rim that we've seen him get so far this year. Grady Dick, I'm pretty confident, is going to be a good scorer for this team. He's going to be pretty consistent. Uh, can somebody else get there? I think Nick's right. I think MJ Rice is the next best bet. Dewan Harris maybe has shown signs that he can take a step forward. Can he average 10 points a game? Can Kevin McCuller be a little bit better than we've seen him be this year? We'll see. But uh, it's a race against the clock because Wilson's not going to be this efficient forever. Uh, as good as he's been, it's just impossible to keep this up. Uh, whenever he does take a step back a little bit from the efficiency perspective, hopefully Kansas has somebody ready to step in. Okay, Landon, uh, I know I promised Nick the Grady Dick stat line. Nick, you'll get the one on the next show, I promise. We've got plenty of them coming this week. Uh, since he read the last one, uh, Landon, go ahead and talk about Grady Dick, who hit the biggest shot of the night. He did indeed. He finished with 18 points, 7 of 14 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3, including uh, that big late three-pointer that iced the game. He also had 6 rebounds and 3 assists in 29 total minutes. He started out by making two threes before the first TV timeout, and that was benched by Norm Roberts for what I'm told are very good reasons. Uh, but he played most of the second half and has already proven to be a clutch go-to guy down the stretch, down back-to-back -back games with some big buckets uh, to secure Kansas a couple of wins. He has been all that's been promised so far.
Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news on the Inside the Paint podcast from Pete Thamel, who is a college football senior writer on ESPN, scrolling across the bottom of my screen here. Kansas and coach Lance Leipold have agreed to terms on a huge contract extension. I saw that on ESPN uh, about five minutes ago. Yay! So Lance is not going to Nebraska. Is that what that means? Is this like when, when Roy said I could give a beep about North Carolina and absolutely never went there? Hey, hey guys, uh, come, pull, pull up a chair real quick. Uh, All right. Lance, Lance, guy could build the heck out of a program. Don't you even worry about it. His program building, truly elite. If he can build Buffalo and Kansas this fast, great, great program builder. That guy cannot coach situationally if the world is going to explode two minutes later. I have fired Landon because I do not want that smoke on this podcast. I, for okay. one, like Jacob Orchilla taking 40-yard field goals he can't make. I'm fourth and six down by 17. All right, you know what? I have I get nothing but 100% A++ feedback with my takes on this podcast. I will not have you guys stain those with your controversial Lance Leipold takes. That is let not me, the nature of the ones that you talk about in the group chat as well. Anymore. <laughs> hey you know what i watched we all did we watched david Beatty and all that so lance can stay he's 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 doing a good he's job. way better Great. than anyone they've had in the last however many years you want to count before mangino that is yeah. undeniable they could go dig up freaking wilt chamberlain and they could give him a football hat and a football clipboard and put him up there every time the wind knocks him over because he's not alive it's a corpse and he would be the best coach that they've had out there since <laughs> a while uh, at okay, least he wouldn't call a timeout before punting that's on true. fourth and three across the 50 down by four touchdowns we also Ow. can confidently say that the corpse of wilt chamberlain would never call the name of jacob borshilla to go kick field goals which would exactly. be very nice back to your regularly scheduled dick on this podcast grady dick who landon was talking about how he played really well uh, guys grady dick is clutch in case we needed anything else about him he's a great three-point shooter he's a smooth athletic wing who can score baskets at the rim and and fill it up in a hurry Ugh, shouldn't have used that phrase whatever uh good rebounder good passer high basketball iq and he's clutch this but not guy too much is gonna be he waits fun. until just the right moment you know hmm Let's go. Hey, you know what? I would be disappointed if he didn't. Grady Dick is a fabulous basketball player. I think he can do things that no one else on this team can. And I want to see him be Kansas's go-to guy. He already might be, right? He's the he's the guy. He and Jalen are 1A and 1B by a lot. Who else is next? Who's next? The ghost of Dave McCormick. Yeah, that that mm. they are... We don't have any doubts about this team. And I feel like this is... The, the, the comparisons to the 2011-12 team have not been quiet. And it's even more so now. Because that team, for the first half of the year, they had All-America Thomas Robinson. No doubt he was a great player. Well, this team has, to this point, All-America Jalen Wilson. No doubt he's really good. That team had pretty darn good Tyshawn Taylor. This team has pretty darn good Grady Dick. And after that, this team had... Eh, who are we going to rely on? A bunch of former red shirts in November and December. This, these guys are more talented than this team, but kind of the same vibes. Am I? Is that a stretch? I think it's a bit of a stretch because I think this team is way more athletic than that one was across the board. Um, so maybe a little bit, but I, I, I definitely get the comparison of the top two. That makes a lot of sense. Nick, if uh, MJ Rice is just okay and Dewan Harris doesn't score more than like seven points a game, 
Is this team going to get enough offense between Wilson and Dick to, to be one of the truly elite teams in college basketball this year? I think the honest answer is no, especially if Kevin McCuller is not going to give you much offensively. Yeah, it's probably your wild card. And that right was there. he was he was a huge you know question mark coming into the season whether McCuller would he wasn't great it wasn't a great shooter at Texas Tech, obviously a great defender. Bill Self loves that. There's no doubt about that. But coming into this question mark, we had a coming into the season we had a few question marks, particularly how good Grady Dick was going to be in his freshman season. Checked that box. He's been more than phenomenal. How good Kevin McCuller would be transferring in from Texas Tech to be determined, and then how MJ Rice, who I called the X Factor earlier this season, um, how he was going to to fit into this puzzle that Kansas has, and um, we still don't know about him either. So some question marks still to be answered, but looking at it from the outside in right now, this team is in a uh, going to be in some trouble if they don't find some guys that can step up and score the ball quickly. And you know what it, you talked about? We have some questions. Well, you know what? We never bleeping have questions about. That. And I, Inside the Paint's uh, legacy has spread. Because every time that big dork, whose name I don't even know how the hell you say it, made a three that banked off the corner of the backboard and went in, I had multiple people tweet at Rock Chalk Blog, we have our white guy of the game. Beautiful. Yes, we did. Landon, tell me about the first candidate of the season. Mason Fawcett, a name <laughs> that may never be topped, from Saratoga Springs, Utah, and entered as a 33% three-point shooter on his career was 4 of 5 in the hallowed halls of Allen Fieldhouse, including not one, but two banked-in threes. God. Uh, so at the beginning of the uh, season, they played Omaha, and they had Frankie Fiddler. And I said, I can't believe that Fiddler didn't make any threes against Kansas. Well, Fawcett more than made up for him. We have a Fiddler and a Fawcett in here in Allen Fieldhouse. One of them's going to pick up the slack for the other one. That, that shot, like a Fawcett, was wet. It was all in the net and nowhere else at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, and the, the second one was when, I think the second one was when Kansas had, quote, stretched the lead out to four. And you were like, oh, maybe they're starting. And then he hit one in the corner that made it back to one. And that was my first, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, it was close. But that was my first, they actually, like, that's what happens in every loss sort of moment for me. Obviously, it didn't wind up mattering. Uh, they un they wound up winning the game. But but Nick, we are are you happy that it took four whole games, but we finally got our first of the game of the year, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, we knew this was coming. We looked at the roster for North Dakota State, and we thought it was going to happen then. It was delayed until this week. And, um, yeah, pretty clear that the, the white guys are going to rain down. But Kansas has their own white guy this year, so do not fear. Uh, you got the Christian Brown era. Now you got the, the Grady Dick era to give you the dorky white guy looks. Don't you worry because we are guaranteed a Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day battle with either Dayton or Wisconsin. The whitest state in the union. God has my witness. Uh, I, I have been Iowa predicting exists. Wisconsin. Utah's the whitest state, by the way. Yeah, that is but absolutely true. Yeah. Wisconsin's up there. God has my witness. I have been predicting the whitewash coming from Wisconsin against Kansas. <laughs> they have not played the Jayhawks in a long time. snowstorm descending from the north. <laughs> yeah, 
And everybody, I posted this on Twitter, and a couple people were like, oh, Wisconsin's not any good at threes. Yeah, you think Mason Fawcett's good at threes? <laughs> Since when does that matter? Well, I'm watching a Creighton game right now, and there's Arthur Kaluma on the screen, who hasn't made a three since he made four in the round of 32 game last year. But, it doesn't Ryan, matter. But at least if Wisconsin loses, they'll play Dayton, and Dayton has never played a great game against Kansas. Oh, never. Never at all. Yeah, that's going to go great. Just freaking great. Okay, let's talk about Dewan Harris. I'll take it, and you guys can give some analysis. Dewan Harris was really good, uh, particularly in the second half. I don't know if they win this game without what Dewan Harris did in the second half. He scored 14 points and added five rebounds, two assists, and four steals in 36 minutes. Harris was 6 of 11 from the floor. The scoring output of 14 ties a career high. Through four games, there isn't anything to complain about regarding Harris, is there, right? He's been really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he has not only been great and was great, I think he just is great at this point. Like, he's just a really good point guard for Kansas. He's playing a lot more of how I wanted him to last year. I've already said that, but I think it's very true. I think it's worth noting. No, there's not There's not even a lot to talk about here. He's just very good. Um, Nick, DeWan Harris had... Everywhere. 9.6 assists, shooting 46% from the floor, and assist the turnover ratio of more than 6 to 1 staying out of foul trouble, two steals per game. Uh, there is absolutely, th this is what we wanted to see from DeWan Harris, right? This is a guy that, I, I'm not, I don't want to say, is this a guy that can lead them to a, uh, is, is this a guy that can lead them to an NCAA championship? Because he did. But this is a guy that's, that's plenty good enough to win you plenty of games in March, right? Let's talk about uh, this conversation that we have in early November every year. It's not Groundhog Day. <laughs> that's, that's that's good. I don't know how I didn't how I didn't catch that one, Landon. That's pretty good. Um, I misspelled the word assists, and uh, well, yeah, you, we've had fun with it. We're we're all twelve, right? You've heard the dick jokes. Um, every November we have the conversation about how oh no, guys, Kansas's bench isn't giving them any help. But in this game, Kansas's bench gave them very little help. Just four of eighty-two points were scored by bench guys. Uh, are we concerned about this already, or is this like every other year where the rotation eventually works itself out and they get enough bench production? Yeah, I'm I'm not worried about it until it becomes a problem in late January, which I don't think it will be. Landon, or you are you just talked, Nick? Are you worried about it? No, I don't think so. I want to say no, but I, I feel like this bench, while not thinner in bodies, but thinner in, like, production, I'm a little concerned about that. I, I, I don't know if when MJ Rice, who had kidney stones and COVID and a bunch of pleasant stuff last week, so we're going to excuse his, his poor game. Uh, if MJ Rice isn't going to give you anything, I don't know if there is enough there to give you what you need, like... I don't know at this point if there's enough scoring, there's enough rebounding. I don't know. I think it's – we have this discussion every year, and I'm not panicking about it because of it, but there, I'm a little more nervous about the bench not being good enough this year than, than most years. We'll see if it works itself out. All right. Uh, tell me about K.J. Adams, somebody. Take yeah, K.J. Adams had eight points, six rebounds, three assists. For the second game in a row, four for four from the floor, uh, played a career-high 33 minutes, um, Ernest Uda Jr., did not score and played just five. Zuby Ejafor added a bucket and a couple of rebounds in five minutes. Uh, are we looking at it being pretty clear that KJ Adams, you know, even though he was 0 for 6 from the, on the year from the free throw line, um, is he the clear-cut guy at the center position? Is, is Have we determined that? Right Landon, now, are you, the, 
Are you the yes. one that said it's pretty obvious? Okay, tell right me. now, Go yes. Um, I agree with you guys. I think Uday and Edgy Four both like long term. I think are the better prospects, but certainly at least right now, that's not to say anything against KJ Adams. I think he's a really solid player. He offers a lot with his athleticism, with his strength, um, and those are coming to the forefront right now. He's been really effective. And I, I think he's the guy you have to go with in, in close games right now, for sure, because he's given you the most production by a lot. It makes me nervous because you're right, and I don't think that this team's ceiling is high uh, is as high with KJ being their center going forth as it is with a, a guy like an Ernest Uday. But then again, I look back at the history, and Bill Self's center isn't usually as high a ceiling guy. Like, Landon Lucas didn't have a higher ceiling than Sheck Diallo or even Carlton Bragg back in the day. Uh, Udoka got hurt, and they were playing Mitch Lightfoot at times and still winning games. Like, I think the center position is more in Bill Self's offense whenever he doesn't have a lottery pick like Cole Aldrich or Joel Embiid. I think the center position is just more of a, can the guy set the screens? Can the guy rebound the ball? Can the guy be in the right place? And can the guy not not be a, a turnover risk? That's KJ Adams right now. If you believe that Wilson and Dick are enough to carry this team for a while, you should be rooting for KJ Adams to be their center. Because if you think those guys can carry him, you just don't want everybody else to make killer mistakes. And I would say that KJ Adams' ceiling isn't as high as some of the other centers on this team. I still think by the end of the year, you're going to see Ernest Uday established as their center. And I think that's how it needs to be. He definitely has the most upside. But KJ does a lot of things really well. And he's shown signs that he may be developing a post game a little bit. Yeah, he has. His 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 back to the basket game has gotten a lot better. He's he's getting really good post position, which is nice to see. And he has athletic enough and strong enough to finish through contact too, and that's that's been solid, though he should hit free throws at some point. The free throws continue to be underwhelming early in the season as Kansas was just ten for sixteen, which isn't great to begin with, but seven of eight was Jalen Wilson, so you do the math, the rest of the team is three for eight, which is bad. <laughs> On the season, Kansas is shooting just 56% at the line, but that number falls to a god-awful 40%. 13 for 32 if you take Jalen Wilson's 87% out. Uh, free throws are a problem a lot of years. I don't understand what it is about Kansas because they have elite three-point shooting teams. They have fantastic shooting teams. I, I don't. I have no idea. Really, I don't know what the problem is. Is this just a bad sample size? Nick, what do you think? I want to say it is at this point. It's really early on. Um, it's definitely concerning, though, how quickly that this statistic has regressed the past few years with previous teams as well that haven't been very good at the line. So I think that it's something to look out for, and I think it's definitely something that burned Kansas a lot last year down the stretch, not being able to make free throws. Uh, so I'm a little concerned. I, I think that this is something that should be the most correctable thing, particularly practicing, you know, getting more volume up for, for free throws in practice. It shouldn't be a difficult thing to get figured out. I don't know why it's been a problem for KU, but it just continue, It seems to be continue to be a, a problem for Bill Soft teams. I mean, I'm trying to find the numbers a little bit because, like, and what, what scares me is Jalen Wilson, I don't think, is an 87% free throw shooter either. Like, that's not going to stick forever. If he finishes the year over 75, I'll be stoked. Uh, there, there's not a whole lot of data here. KJ's 0 for 6. MJ's 0 for 2. Uh, Pettiford hasn't made one yet this year. Uh, Grady Dick, DeWan Harris are both 3 of 5. We expect them to be a lot better than 60%. So I think most of those numbers will go up. But, like, 
How many free throws are you expecting this team to take? They don't play a lot of inside basketball anyway. Yeah, that's a good question as well. Not not that many probably, but I mean it's still basketball. Like you're still always going to shoot a decent amount, and you're always going to have a couple games where you're going to shoot like twenty because that's just how it goes sometimes. And you got to be able to hit them when you have those nights. Kevin McCuller has five points on two of six shooting here, eight rebounds, which led the team. Four assists, three steals, five turnovers in 31 minutes. Whole lot to digest there. At one point, he had no points and five turnovers, which made Twitter frustrated. Uh, but he played well in the last 10 minutes, particularly on the defensive end. Uh, mixed bag on Kevin McCuller. He's had a weird year. He's had moments against Duke where he looked like one of the best players on, on the floor. And he's had other moments where he's looked absolutely terrible. I tend to think that this is a guy that's going to get a lot better whenever he gets Bill Self back. I think Bill Self is the perfect coach for Kevin McCuller. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of this guy, whether we really want to or not. He's just that kind of player. He's the Kansas player. Uh, what do you guys think? Is, is is what you've seen out of Kevin McCuller that hasn't gone great, you think that's correctable stuff? He is a senior. like he, He's very experienced. Yeah, I'm not super worried about him. Um, he's he's pretty smart. He's, he's pretty good with the ball. Like, the five turnovers and that kind of stuff, I'm not overly concerned about. Um, only five points is a bit concerning, especially in a game that was relatively fast-paced and up and down. Uh, would like to see a little more than that. But again, he's probably like your fifth scoring option, fourth scoring option right now. So, we'll see what, we'll see what happens, but I'm not overly worried. Nick, are you a big Kevin McCullough enthusiast? I feel like you're really not. Uh... <laughs> My fandom revolves around, you know, I, I, like, I like to get behind guys who can score the ball. He's I'm just not as enthused with him just because I haven't seen much from him this year that shows me, like, he's going to be a star at KU. He's a good role player. He does a good job defensively. He dives at the loose balls. Great guy, good energy, you know, easy to cheer for. But I just – I don't have the same, the same excitement behind what he's going to do at KU as I do with Grady Dick, which is understandable. I think that everyone could say the same thing. Uh, with Grady Dick being Grady Dick, but I mean, Kevin McCullers, like you said, is is not a raw player anymore. He has played at Texas Tech under a system that, for a while there, had some pretty good offenses when he was at under you know Chris Beard. Uh, but but I think that he's really gonna have to step up this year and make some shots. And if that doesn't happen, I think KU's gonna be in some trouble. Uh, MJ Rice was a non-factor. We found out uh, he was ill during the Duke game. Uh, Bill Self said he had COVID. That's why he didn't travel. And uh, then he had kidney stones the night after this game. So I've had gallbladder disease. Uh, or I had it whenever I was a 16-year-old. Had gallstones, had my gallbladder removed. Uh, there were nurses in that operating room when I got it removed that said they have heard from people that have said gallbladder stones can be more painful, if not just as painful as child labor. It is an unbelievably painful experience. Yes, it's terrible. It's otherworldly bad. So I, I, athletes are just built different. I can't believe that, that MJ Rice was, was walking around playing basketball the night before this. That's amazing. So we'll excuse his 0 for 3, 0 point performance. Only played seven minutes anyway. Joe Yesifu did make a basket. Bobby Pettiford had a 0-0-0 line, just like Landon did. Uh, only uh, Pettiford mm-hmm. played 16 minutes, and Fields played zero. Uh, do you have any thoughts on any of these guys? I, I'm disappointed that Pettiford hasn't been more of what we saw that first game. Yeah, I'm not horribly surprised by that yet. Uh, obviously, that would be great. Um, not a lot of takes here, though. Uh, I think Pettiford will be better later. Um, so we'll see. Nick, any, any you know, just super spicy hot takes here i don't know if he's gonna be that i don't know if he's gonna be that good and i know this is probably gonna be a, a drop that's gonna be on the show later on when he's you know frank mason level 
in his final year at Kansas. But I, I just don't see I don't see him becoming a huge star personally. See, well, I feel that way, but about MJ Rice, I'm not sure oh. if he's okay. going to be like amazing. Well, we haven't seen MJ Rice very much. Like, and, I, again, I I hope I'm super wrong about that. But are either MJ Rice or Bobby Pettiford expected to be quote amazing, or do they just have to be pretty good? I think good. I mean, MJ Rice was a borderline five star. So, I mean, what what does MJ Rice have to average this year for you to be like, yeah, that's a good year? Ten points over ten. You think he's going to get there? I don't think so. Like Pettiford, here's the thing with Pettiford. Um, I think Pettiford's very important to this team. Bill Self usually uses second point guards very, very, very much. Um, I don't know why I said very, very, very much like that. He just uses he uses the second point guard quite a bit. Uh, MJ Rice, I think Bill Self can operate with or without. I personally think you need a guy like that in your in your rotation with, with only two go-to scorers. Uh, but Bill Self, definitely. I think if you asked Bill Self who the more important piece to this team is, I think he'd say Pettiford over Rice. Yeah, I agree. Like, they need their second point guard. We've seen Pettiford. Pettiford's kind of played a different game each time, too. Uh, we saw him the first game be a scorer. We saw him the second game have eight assists. We saw him against Duke be a good defender, block a couple shots. And then this game, he didn't do anything. Like, who is the real Bobby Pettiford? I think that we need these guys, Pettiford and Rice, to be solid. If they're above solid, Kansas' ceiling's even higher than usual. If they're not, Kansas is going to struggle to make the Elite Eight. But what's our expectation on this freaking rotation right now? Right? So work through this with me. Harris, Wilson, Dick, McCuller. They're playing a lot. Those four are on ice. KJ Adams and Ernest Uday Jr. They're going to be the center and they're going to be the backup center. So those six guys are in the rotation. No, any arguments so far? No, I'd say that's about right. All right, now we got a few more spots. We need a second point guard. Pettiford getting 15 minutes or so a game. You guys think that's likely? Mm, maybe, Nick. Possibly. Are you still thinking Yesifu could work his way in here? I don't think there's room for three point guards. I agree, and I think Yesifu's at least the first one getting cut. And then MJ Rice is... Uh, who knows? MJ Rice could be the... The, the sixth man, MJ Rice could play eight minutes. And at the end of the year, we're like, oh, darn. He got, he got checked the outload. Like, I don't really know what, what to expect here. And I think Cam Martin is still your wild card. We don't know about Cam Martin. Cam Martin wouldn't be on this roster if they didn't think he could make an impact. He's a best shooter on this roster, I think. We haven't seen it at the D1 level yet. But based on what we've seen at D2... We know he can fill it up quick. If he even remotely translates to the athleticism level requirement, which we saw Ryan Hawkins do at Creighton, he's going to get minutes. Cam Martin will play. So the rotation is, in my opinion, eight guys are real safe. The five guys starting right now, Pettiford, Rice, and Uday. And then after that, maybe Cam Martin, maybe Joe Yesifu, and at this point, maybe Zuby. Zuby may be the best rebounder on the team right now, other than Wilson. Who knows? How, how soon do you expect to know this rotation? By end of the year, start a conference play, do you think we'll be very certain on this rotation? Uh, Yeah, I was going to say probably the first two or three games in the conference play will feel pretty good about what it is. I, that's usually at least what it is off memory. How many guys are you confident are going to be a part of this rotation? 
If you include Cam Martin, I think the answer is 10. If you don't, I think it's 9. I think he might. It'll be 8 or 9. And Zach Clements, who hasn't played in a while, self-said that he is practicing now. Uh, we don't think Zach Clements is going to be in this rotation at all. Uh, at this point, no. But you never know. KU, 51% from the floor, 40% on threes, 63% at the line. Uh, they were minus four on the glass, which should make Bill Self very happy as he returns to take over the team, getting out-rebounded by the, by, the, uh, by the Thunderbirds of Southern Utah. My take on this game is that was fun. Anyone who's like, oh, that was so stressful, the, the heart attack Hawks or whatever. No, this is fun. You don't want to see them blow out everybody, right? Like, they've won 15 basketball games in a row. At some point, you want to see, you know, yeah, let them, let them get challenged a little bit. My opinion of the way the Norm Roberts four games went, perfect scenario for Kansas. They won all their games, and there's so much for Bill Self to get back there and go, wow, we suck, because you know that's what he's going to do. I think they're yeah, going to be ready absolutely. for this tournament. I agree. Uh, it's interesting to watch. Uh, but Good result for Kansas without Bill Self, for sure. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they look like with Bill back. Big 12 games. It was a weird week in the conference where we saw the preseason pick to win it lose, the preseason pick to finish last, have a great week, and everything in between. We're going to try to sort it all sort it all through for you. Landon, kick us off with what happens in Vegas, which should stay in Vegas. And the Baylor Bears wish that it could. I uh, wish that it does. Number five, Baylor. They took their first loss of the year, falling 86-79 to number 16, Virginia. Scott Drew is a boob. Normally, of course, I would say Virginia, my least favorite team in the sport. Uh, but my sincere condolences go out to them. Uh, really rough week for that school. Um, and very good, probably, for them to have something to smile about with the win. Uh, the Bears led by three at halftime in that game before absolutely getting blended after that as the Cavaliers opened the second half on an unreal 30-4 run. Keontae George Jeez. and LJ Cryer hit some shots to get the Bears back within single digits, but it was not closer than eight toward the end of the game. The Bears did bounce back by closing out number eight UCLA in the third place game, 80-75, to behind 28 points from Cryer. So you get third place from Baylor with a good win over UCLA, uh, but they do fall to the Cavs. Great field up there. They got four top 20 teams in the preseason polls to, to play, and the result were four really good basketball games. Baylor will ultimately be fine. Virginia's now in the top five. We don't know how long that's going to go. Landon's less optimistic than some of us. Uh, but at least for now, it's looking like there's no shame in taking that L to uh, now a top five team. Baylor's still number seven. They will be just fine, and they pick up the win over Illinois, uh, or UCLA, as you said, to pad that resume a little bit more. Uh, Nick, a team that's in desperate need of padding a resume is a team that now already has multiple losses. Tell us about the first Big 12 team to reach the 2L mark this year. Yeah, Oklahoma State, uh, the Cowboys have lost two games already this year. Uh, they lost in overtime to UCF in the Bahama, in the Bahamas 60-56. The Sooners weren't much better. Um, speaking of Oklahoma teams, they only beat South Alabama by four thanks to Jacob Groves, uh, whose career high was somehow against Kansas, who hit a late three-pointer in this game to get past the uh, Jaguars of South Alabama somehow like it's a like it's a mystery how that happened uh yeah Landon I feel like uh I feel like that not very many national championship contenders only beat South Alabama by four no especially after losing the Sam Houston State by one and not being impressive otherwise yeah. that Oklahoma's not very good no no they are not uh but somebody who might be good question mark emo bitches <laughs> you know what happens when they win K-State. Kansas State. They have won all of their games, at least their 
Is that still true after this? It is. They're 5-0, and RK State. They've won every game by at least nine points. Uh, they uh, Are we feeling the tang yet? They beat Rhode Island easily, and then they took care of uh, Nevada, put together a comeback as a five-point underdog to beat Nevada. They forced overtime late. Keontae Johnson with 28 points, and uh, Marquise Noel with 29 points and 11 assists. K-State takes down Nevada in the semis of the Cayman Islands Classic 96-87. They will play the LSU Tigers here tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to find out everything we need to know about K-State maybe, but we definitely didn't expect them to be this impressive this early, or did we? I definitely did not. I thought they were going to suck. Nick? Yeah, I didn't expect a 4 to start. Well, we talked about how they had a horrible roster, but adding Johnson really late in the recruitment period helped. I mean, he was a, a really good SEC player that uh, I don't know how he fell into Jerome Tang's lap, but that helps a lot. Uh, I'm confident at this point that, and this is so drastic after what I said about them the whole time, I don't think K-State's the worst team in the Big 12. I don't. I think there are two or three teams that are worse than K-State right now. I think they have two pros on that team, and I think that Tang has been a good enough coach early on for me to think that they're going to probably win a couple of Big 12 games at home when they're an underdog, which is what they've always done. Good, good stuff from K-State. They are 5-0, and and they will play LSU. We'll see if they can get to 6-0. The only Big, the 12, only 12, big teams. 12 teams. Mm, Man, we've done it again. Back-to-back back That shows. was just awesome. You guys just oklahoma all over yourselves right there with that. That was, uh, that was South Alabama keeping you within four, guys. <laughs> um, have at it, Nick. Go for it. It's all yours. The only Big 12 teams without a loss... Kansas, Texas, Kansas State, Iowa State, and West Virginia, which is West only Virginia and Iowa State means five of them. Somebody. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought that number was lower when I wrote that first sentence. Or six this morning, of them. And then, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, uh, five. No, five. That's five. Uh, the everybody that has a loss, what the two OU schools, Texas Tech has one now. Uh, we'll talk about the Maui games here in a little bit. That's why we haven't talked about them yet. And uh, obviously, um, who's left? Baylor has one, and TCU has one as well. Other games, Landon, you love Virginia so much, man. Talk all about them. Yeah, you know, normally that is true. Uh, but they did climb into the top five after last week. Uh, they were the story of the week. They beat Baylor, and then they beat number 19 Illinois to win the Continental Tire main event. Uh, Continental Woo. Tire doing their best to enter bowl season uh, in college basketball with that uh, long, unnecessary name. Uh, but the Fighting Illini, they play second with the loss to Virginia. Baylor third, and UCLA goes 0-2. Uh, albeit, you know, those are four good teams. Like, there's, you know, someone had to lose both, all good teams, but UCLA does indeed finish last. The story of this next game, which Nick is going to tell you all about, we played it on the last show, and now we're going to play it again. Cal sucks whale penis. What's wrong with that? Yikes. In a game between two teams that both desperately need to bounce back, it was number two Gonzaga, who took down the number four Kentucky Wildcats, 88-72 to in Spokane. Uh, really was never a game. Uh, the Bulldogs led by 16 at the break. Former Iowa State guard Rashir Bolton led the way with 24 points. Oscar Sheboy had 20 and 15. Ryan, you were very high on a Kentucky to start the season. Are you concerned yet? Kind of. I mean, they didn't expect to win this game when the schedule came out. 
Um, and the Michigan State game was a coin flip and double overtime. Their record definitely would invoke more panic than their play would suggest. I still believe they have the best player in college basketball on their team. I think they're going to figure some things out. I think they're the best team in the SEC, uh, but definitely disappointing for them to be 3-2 and two because they definitely expected to win one of the big two marquee games. Uh, the Michigan State game, I think, is going to be blown out of proportion now with them being in the top 15. Landon, concerned about Kentucky, or are they going to be just fine? Uh, a little bit of concern, but certainly it's early. You know, Cal has young teams, I, and like I, I totally agree. I think Oscar Sheebway is is gonna win Player of the Year here, so uh, I think they'll be just fine going forward. But you know, a little a little red flag, a little red flag here. Let's talk about the Maui Invitational because one of the best fields that I've ever seen that tournament have. We have four top 20 teams that have made the final four of the event. Number 10, Creighton, down Texas Tech by 11. Number 9, Arkansas, blew out an unbelievably awful Louisville team who's now 0-5. Number 14, Arizona, beat Cincinnati 101-93. And number 17, San Diego State, took care of Ohio State. Uh, neither one of these semifinal games is tipped off whenever we're recording this. If you had to bet on someone, who's your bet to win the tournament? I'm going with Creighton. I think they beat Arkansas, and then I think they take down whoever's on the other side of the bracket. I actually think the winner of Arkansas-Creighton wins this thing. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree. I think the winner of Arkansas-Creighton. I think I think those are, are the two best teams. Who knows about Arizona? Because like we said on the last show, though, I know nothing about Arizona. They might sneakily be one of the four best teams in America, or they could be a, a not even a top 25 team. I have no clue. I wish that I was in Maui looking at the uh, live shots from there. That looks like fun, guys. Why can't we go there? Next year, Jayhawks in Maui. You want to take an ITP road trip? Maybe if we up the ad revenue a little bit, we'll be able to get it paid for. Yeah, if we up the ad revenue by uh, 6 million percent, probably. Hey, that might get us one-way tickets. We got to get home, Landon. Uh, and number 12, Indiana got a nice road win at not in-state rival Xavier. Sorry, Nick. Uh, 81-79. Trace Jackson Davis had 30 points. How excited are you for that matchup at Allen Fieldhouse? If you want my answer, you know the meme of the kid that's being interviewed by the reporter and he shakes his head and kind of trying not to uh, cry, but then he actually starts crying? That's me thinking of Trace Jackson Davis at Allen Fieldhouse in a few weeks. Hey, I actually think KJ might be able to give him a run. Okay. We said that about, uh, that was you <laughs> last year, about Dave and Oscar Shibway and how'd that go? Not well at all. I love Indiana's team. I think they're really good. I think they're a top 10 team, and uh, I'm excited for that game. Just about as excited as I've been for for a non-con Kansas-Allen Fieldhouse game, probably since the Villanova game a few years ago. Really excited to watch that one. Nick, you're all in on the Houston Cougars. It was another victory for them. They figured to get a lot of them this year. Uh, tell me about who you think should be the number one team in the country. Yeah, number three, Houston went into Oregon and beat the Ducks 66-56. to the Cougars are now the number two team in the polls. They have not lost, and it hasn't been particularly close to losing. Um, I definitely think this team has all the pieces, the scoring, the offense, the defense as well to complement it to cut down the nets in uh, April. You talked about whenever we, we always stop recording between Kansas Recap and the rest of the show just to split the show into two halves, so it's not one big file these two are sending me. And whenever we push the pause button, Nick said, quote, why is North Carolina still number one? I want you to elaborate on that a little bit because they are atop the polls. They are 4-0, uh, but you have not been very impressed with them to this point. Is that true? Yeah, I think they have a little bit of a, a sticker on them from last season. Obviously, we a lot of last year's podcast, we talked about him, uh, how uh, UCLA 
was the, the the poster child of this as well. They had a good tournament the year before, came into the season and uh, did not meet expectations after that season. North Carolina is four and zero, but I mean, you look at their wins. They they beat Gardner Webb by six. I mean, are we really thinking that's impressive? They've they played North Carolina, Wilmington, Charleston, Gardner Webb, and James Madison with Portland coming up. So I wouldn't exactly say that this is the strongest strength of schedule. They've won just one of those games by more than fourteen points. So you you look at this and you and you see, you see a team possibly um, maybe a little overrated. We'll find out when they play Indiana on November thirtieth. Uh, a better look at this team, but. To be number one after their miraculous one, guys, they were they were barely top. They weren't even top twenty-five before the tournament, were they? No, nope. that they. What got them in the top twenty-five was the Duke win at Cameron on uh, Mike Shashevsky's first of two deaths, first of three deaths, because he didn't win anything his last year. Freaking loser. Uh, we're gonna find out more about North Carolina because uh, you, you alluded to their schedule not being great, and the ESPN page isn't super accurate of their schedule uh, because they do play in this Phil Knight Invitational. They play Portland, and then they're going to get presumably the winner of Iowa State, Villanova, and then the other half of that bracket, Alabama, Michigan State, some teams over there that they could see. So they will be challenged, and then a really good game coming up on the last day of November in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, North Carolina at Indiana at Assembly Hall. So that'll give us a good test. I'm pretty confident it's November 22nd. A week from now, we're going to have a much better idea of how good UNC is. Landon, is that is that accurate? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, and I think UNC is a good team. Um, but I, I don't think they were like, you know, the unanimous number one team in the country or anything. Um, I, I think Houston and I think Kansas have both looked decently better so far. So the CBE tip-off Hall of Fame Classic uh, was taking place Today and yesterday during lunchtime, uh, not great for the T-Mobile Center's tournament because that was a pretty fun event a couple years ago, and now it's just been relegated to the back burner. Uh, can you guys tell me, uh, name the four teams in that tournament? There is not a chance on this earth I can do that. Nick, can you name one? Davidson, are they in there? I mean, that's a good enough guess. San Francisco beat Wichita State in the final, and Grand Canyon and Northern Iowa played in wow. the third place game. So yeah, not, you could have told not, me that four like Polish colleges were there. I I would have that would have been as plausible as anything else. I mean, playing at noon on a Monday afternoon before anyone's off work is a good good test. That that's probably not not great. Um, ranked teams to lose since the last time we recorded. Number four Kentucky lost a road game at Gonzaga, but that was fun. Good job scheduling that. Number five Baylor they lost to Virginia in a game with actual points in it. So good on you, Virginia. I guess. Number eight, UCLA lost twice, first to Illinois and then to Baylor. Number 19, Illinois. Most of the losses in this uh, section are from that one tournament. They lost to the Cavs in the uh, in the first place game. No, sorry, the championship. The championship, yeah. They lost, the, they lost in the championship. I'll give them their props. Number 21, Texas Tech lost to Creighton, is. a very good Creighton team. And then kicked the absolute piss out of Louisville the next day in a yes. game where I think Louisville at one point that score was like fifty-five to seventeen. Say it ain't so, guys. A ranked Texas A&M team in twenty twenty-two is disappointing. Mm, they lost shocking. to Murray State in Colorado this week. Jimbo Fisher really is uh, wearing out his welcome down there. So I'm looking at the uh, the line because the the Louisville zero and five Louisville fascinates me. Like they fascinate me more than any team but Kansas. So Texas Tech led 20 to 13. Do you know how many points Texas Tech had the next time that Louisville scored? 45. Exactly. Wow. I didn't actually know that. 20 
a 25 to nothing run that went from the four minute mark of the first half to the 14 minute mark of the second half. Insane. That is bananas. Louisville's leading scorer today, seven points. 22% from the floor. Really, really bad. Louisville may actually start 0 and 10. And as one of you guys said earlier, I don't remember which, but it was funny. Couldn't have happened to a better program. Probably what people say about Kansas. At least they were hoping Kansas would lose. Ask Rock Chalk Blog. Landon, I'm giving you the job. You're going to read all the questions today because we have a lot of questions we're going to be reading this week. Do we? I thought there's only like... There's not too many anyway. Well, let's start. But we're off. doing a lot of podcasts, is what I meant. Oh, that is, that is absolutely true. All right, let's see what we got here. From at Elliot Russin H1, are we panicking yet on Kevin McCullers' non-progressive offensive production, Nick? I think the button is about to be pushed. Nah, Brian? it's just been four games. You can't panic yet. If we get to January and it's still not right, fine. But remember Jalen Wilson last year being absolute ass in a can for 10 games and then being maybe their best player in the NCAA tournament? Like, it's it's totally fine for guys to take a little longer when they're either adjusting to a new system or they're coming in a little rusty. McCuller will be okay. I don't think he's the perfect fit by any stretch. Like, we saw Wilson produce. I, I think Wilson was a better offensive player in his first year than McCuller's ever been. But McCuller will be fine. He will get it together. He will be a good player for Kansas. He will be a clutch player at times. I think he'll be just fine. But it's going to require some patience. Did Jalen Wilson have a better year the year he broke his foot than Tyon Grant Foster? <laughs> uh, the year that he played three minutes. Uh, I mean, it's kind of one of those things. So in fantasy football last night during the 49ers Cardinals game, uh, there was somebody who went into a uh, went into a game tied when they had Kadarius Tony and they played against Rondell Moore of the Cardinals. And Kadarius Tony for the Chiefs scored no points. So the game's tied and Team A's out of players and Team B still has a Cardinals player left. And Rondell Moore gets the first snap of the game. He runs for minus six yards. He tweaks his hamstring and is out for the game. Finishes with negative 0.6 points. Oh, so, that is so bad. That is kind of what happened if you're talking about is Jalen Wilson's complete zero season better than a negative Tyon Grant Foster season? Kind of. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, also from Elliot, uh, do you think Jalen Wilson may get trigger happy some nights from three and completely go away from driving to the basket. Yes. Also, before I answer that question, as Nick already answered it, before I answer it, Landon's a real baby about fantasy football. He won't make any trades for me because our teams both have to be good. That irritates me. Hey, I want to win. Thank you. I noticed, but you still have to make trades. You have to be wheeling and dealing. So I, can't be I, scared I, I am in a dynasty doing. league, and I love wheeling and dealing in that league. Um, oh, yeah, dynasty leagues are, are fun and also hard and too time-consuming. Uh, is Jalen Wilson getting too dependent on threes? I thought so, but then in this game, whenever he had the shots, he took them, and whenever he didn't have the shot, he chose to drive to the basket. If he can do that, he'll be fine. He'll be totally fine. I want to see him prioritize that. I want 65% of his shots from two, maybe more than that. Uh, as long as he doesn't get too trigger-happy from three, I think we'll be fine. Uh, fewer games like the Duke game, more games like last night. From at Daddy McKinnon, when will Kansas players attack the offensive glass like it's a Thanksgiving meal again? Mm, well, Danny Manning comes back. Yeah, for real. Uh, Wilson did that really good, by the way, in this game. Uh, Kansas and the offensive glass, they've been pretty good on the offensive glass recently. And I think this team projects to be one of the better offensive rebounding teams they've had in a while, right? 
Probably. I mean, Jalen alone, yeah, you'd think. They got the athleticism. It makes me optimistic. All right, now here we're getting down to the real stuff now. From at Nay Wordsmith, what is your all-time starting five for Thanksgiving foods? And it is an obligatory question that must be asked around Thanksgiving, but I love it equally every single time. Stuffing five times. All of you can kiss my you-know-what. I, I will because you're wrong. Right, um, that's why I'm wrong. That's not actually the answer, but everybody hates stuffing. Stuffing is hated, and I hate. It's and fine. It makes me it's sad. not that bad, it, but it's not. It's not five five times. All right, uh, we'll green bean like dr- casserole, yeah, sweet potatoes. Such a uh, land casserole. Answer. It's such a land and answer. Sweet potatoes. You have some. Sweet bad potatoes taste, are elite, dude. It's very on brand so for good. a guy that refuses to make fantasy football trades to love green bean casserole. <laughs> I I did trade. I traded Gabe Davis for Antonio Gibson. That's true, you did, but I couldn't. I couldn't even get you to listen on anybody. In the, in I wasn't trading tier. away Justin Jefferson. Are you kidding? Well, okay, I kind of get that one, but you know, you gotta try. <laughs> you gotta try. That's fair. I get that. Uh, I don't know what my other top five Thanksgiving food is actually relatively overrated because no one makes mashed oh, potatoes that well. Quiet. Turkey can be good, but is worse than most other meats you'll have. Ham, if there's ham, it's really good. Mostly ham is a Christmas meal item not thanksgiving people who eat ham on thanksgiving are are are, are, are a travesty now we're doing both so um okay here's a question since you guys basically answered that uh, what are your... up there. i didn't answer that i didn't give you my top five all right, all right give me your Nick? top five the top five stuffing ryan was right stuffing is in the top five That's uh right. mashed potatoes are elite anything with starch in it is elite so you got mashed potatoes stuffing is the other one three uh, obviously, pumpkin pie is an all-time classic. Uh, can't go wrong there. That's three. Um, four is gravy. You know, the the not the the regular biscuits and gravy, gravy, but the 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 Thanksgiving yeah, like turkey br- gravy, brown gravy. Yeah, brown. If gravy, gravy is a top five food item on Thanksgiving. Your uh, Thanksgiving well, I, dinner's I'm, dead in the water. I, I'm saying on top of turkey, <laughs> so you can combine the turkey and the gravy for for number right. three. Gravy number on turkey f- is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Number four. Cheesy potatoes, elite, 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 elite. Um, number like five, like the scalloped potatoes that come. No, in a not box. scalloped. These like are like shredded. cubed like, potatoes. Like hash brown potatoes. Like cubed. No, both cubed. of them are cubed. really good. Okay. Cubed potatoes that have like that. Uh, melted cheese over it. Elite. Yeah, like I mean those are, um, those can be quite good as well. And then the final to wrap it up, some more carbs. King's Hawaiian rolls. And, oh, the King's uh, Hawaiian. Yeah, King's Hawaiian is number one with a bullet. Never mind. Do you know what you guys didn't say? Cranberry sauce, because you, you threw it in the trash where it belongs. Disgusting. Have never even had cranberry Disgusting. sauce. Good, good. You don't need it. Uh, okay, now that you guys answered that, what are your top five holiday power rankings? Just in general, Christmas is number one easy. Man, that's you know my answer. I don't even have to say it. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like the older I get, the more holidays become like boring easter's gone up in my estimation over the last few years yeah making uh, fantasy football trades is your holiday now i guess th- thanksgiving is is i still really like thanksgiving thanksgiving's two easter's three um fourth thanksgiving's of July. the most overrated holiday out there it's not even good the reasons for celebrating it aren't even good yeah, they're like they're they're mediocre at best, and it, like, the food the is things. mediocre. I'm tired of watching the damn Detroit Lions every year. It, <laughs> I gotta the see Bills a bunch. This year. Yes, it's like it's Thanksgiving, it's and the not, balloons are at least nice. It's not I guess. Lions, Bears, or something. It, it is most years. I feel like 
It is. Or Texans, which it has been a couple times. Oh it's been gross. Yeah. Uh, and Valentine's Day is last because I uh, have no love. Oh, wow. <laughs> what a hammer that is. Nick, where am I wrong? One Christmas, two Halloween, three Fourth of July, four New Year's Eve, five uh, um, anything. I, I don't New know. After that, good. New Year's after Eve th- isn't a holiday. I think it's okay. New Year's slash New Year's Eve. Your New Year's festivities. It's Otherwise, I'd say holiday. Christmas Eve is two. You think Thanksgiving's not a holiday? What What is looking at a clock countdown to zero? What? How is that a holiday? It's more fun to play board games and is it, then. Is it much of a hot take that Christmas Eve is better than Christmas? Uh, that is a hot take, but I will accept Christmas Eve as a holiday because one of the recent, I don't remember if it's, it was Joe Biden or Donald Trump, one of them made, uh, one of the presidential administrations made Christmas Eve a federal holiday. So you can count it. Good. Easter's also a good holiday. Easter's a low-key good holiday. That's yes. just... Halloween's like the, not a good holiday. Oh, no. You're not doing Halloween right, sir. No, Halloween I, is a I, blast. You, group I costumes and handing out candy and, and seeing all the fun outfits. Oh, it's a great holiday. Uh, Christmas is one, though. Christmas is better than all of them combined. It's like, you know what they told you about the solar system, how the biggest planet can like swallow all the other ones and still have space? That's Christmas with the others. It's the big boy on the block easily like it's not close yep i sleep a cumulative total of about two and a half hours every christmas eve because at 27 i am still too nervous without benadryl to fall asleep knowing what's coming the next that's actually quite awesome i am a man child in every way christmas eve might be better than all the other ones combined yeah it's it's really up there and we talk about christmas food then you get into the honey baked ham Mm. which blows away any thanksgiving food yep best thanksgiving dessert one answer then we'll move on to the next question don't say pumpkin pie or I will fire you. I don't care. I'll um, make this The Apprentice. My, my mom makes this like pumpkin bake kind of thing that gets like all caramelized on the top, but it's like kind of liquidy on bottom. It sounds bad, but it's like absolutely glorious. It sounds glorious. really good. Nick, if you say pumpkin pie, I will go Elon Musk on you. What is the favorite? What is your favorite any, uh, holiday uh, dessert? Cool Whip <laughs> with the spoon. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's a winner. That's, that's a good answer. It's absolutely awful for you and is not entirely dairy, but, you know, it'll work. All right. Hope you enjoyed our, our food celebration. Hey, apple talk. pie oh. sucks is my hot take. Weekly that joke. Is hot or, that, you are it, wrong. It is true. Apple pie my, is so uh, good. My annual joke around this time is I hope North Carolina State's favorite food isn't Thanksgiving bird. Because <laughs> they're playing the Jayhawks, and the Jayhawks are a. Are a, are a you know, thank you, thank hey, you. I'm, yeah, thank. thank uh, you. I will be here all week. We're doing a lot of podcasts this week. Uh, now back to Earth, guys. Sorry, from at Chase underscore Van Scoy. When Bill comes back, do we go back to a half court offense? No, I don't think they do. I think that they're going to try to run all year with this team. You might see it look more organized. <laughs> Fun thing to predict for the first time ever. Oh, sorry. I, does that does that require a? Damn it, Bill. Maybe not. Maybe they won't. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's see what we got. Wow. Nick, Nick has just quit. Nick hates this segment so much. Nick, for well, you. What was the question? Doesn't <laughs> matter. Next one. At SportsDoc92, outside of Baylor, who is Kansas' competition to win the Big 12? Texas. Don't say it. Don't, no. It will never be <laughs> It is certainly ever. Texas. It is certainly Texas. The Big 12 sucks. I don't know if it sucks. T- Texas uh, gonna... Tech's good, guys. I know Louisville sucks, but Texas Tech is good. 
TCU is better than uh, Texas. They will be by the end of the year. TCU is not better than Texas. Let them get their pieces back. What two teams have you watched? Uh, it's been three games. Still. They'll be okay. TCU. I don't, I don't think TCU is going to be as bad as they've shown, but still. I'm I'm all in on the Horny Frogs this year. They're going to win more games than Texas. What the all hell? Right. My, my predictions mean nothing. All right. Let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, from at Show Me Hawk. Do we want to see USC at the battle for Atlantis Championship? A little bit of a wink and a nod question, I assume. Oh, yes, God. of course. No, God, please, no, no! I saw enough of that. I don't need to see it anymore. Uh, truth be told, I don't know enough about these other teams. I couldn't tell you who I'd rather see than not. Like, yeah, they're all they're all good teams, and I'm expecting three pretty good games. I assume North Carolina State is not supposed to be one of the better teams here because I don't think they would have paired them with Kansas in the first game if they were, but they look pretty good on paper. So I think this is a pretty balanced field. Uh, just for revenge's sake, sure, bring on USC and a... Uh, uh, bow, bad boy motors battle for Atlantis championship is totally going to make up for that humiliating round of 32 loss I guess I don't know two more to go uh, one one uh, nonsense and it's not nonsense it's fun and then one basketball from at cool underscore hand underscore Lucas in the spirit of the team enjoying a quote unquote vacation where would your dream vacation spot be Ryan's is Tampa or Branson I know that <laughs> sounds so sad uh tampa is the most underrated city in the united states but like in the world i mean probably hawaii right i'd love to see hawaii at some point i just don't want to fly that far maybe teleportation will be a thing by the time i'm old i've tentatively looked into traveling to the netherlands that looks really cool australia wow. is the place i really really want to go at some point Netherlands sounds cold. Australia sounds dangerous with wildlife, but I like the weather better. Nick went to Florida once. Fun story. I know a couple others, but I won't tell him. Where's your dream vacation, sir? Uh, I want to go to Norway. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fair. Speaking of stories, I really should never tell on the show. Whenever we decide to finally blow up this podcast at the end, we're going to tell all the stories like that because that's a good one. <laughs> oh, gosh, that can't get out. Well, it not not that specific story. Not not everything else can't get out. Well, <laughs> I, I, it makes me wonder what else happened. I know what happened in Florida, and that's a pretty good one. Hey, uh, last hey, one. I am going. I'm going on a golf trip with the same guy to Charleston, South Carolina. Oh early no. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what, Nick? You know what? I'm not gonna make any judgments over what you choose to do. I don't know. Why? Why was that speculation? What is it? What was that speculation from? Like, have you never gone on a trip with a friend? A golf trip? No, a, not a, a golf trip. A trip, a trip with some, uh, a member of the the same sex, a friend of the same sex. I never. Nick have done tells that. me. Nick I'm tells boring. me that I'm an old man sometimes with my with my takes on temperatures, and then he's like, "Hey guys, I'm gonna travel and play golf." That is the eighty year oldest thing I've ever heard. Golf is a young sport nowadays. I don't know what you're talking about. Golf is golf is hard, man. Golf is so not fun. Like I, I get out there swinging the clubs, like warm ups, like Dak Prescott's pregame warm up. Like woohoo, here I go, and then I hit the ball once and it lands, you know, 20 feet away in the fairway. I'm like, why did I sign up for this? I already paid the deposit on the golf cart. And last one from at Tyler Sokin. What do you think is the lineup with the highest ceiling offensively? I get worried that McCuller doesn't have enough offense to help a team that could struggle to score at times. Nick, I'm going to try to guess your answer. Um, Harris, Dick, 
Rice, Wilson, Uday. Uh, without Dewan Harris, though. Who? So you want Pettiford instead of Harris? I actually think Harris might be on the team's offensive ceiling lineup. <sighs> I think Harris is a lot. Uh, this year he probably is. This year he probably is. I mean, Dewan Harris has proven himself to be one hell of a quarterback. I mm-hmm. I want him out there, like. And if he's scoring nine points, the value of a guy that's giving you nine points to go along with six to one assist turnover ratio is like preposterously higher than a guy who's giving you four points. Yeah, correct. Harris is a damn good point guard. Like he's the KU's in great. K, I'm willing to bet that KU will. I don't know what how many games they'll win or whatever, but KU is always going to be a certain degree of very very good every game. Dewan Harris is here for. I think that is true, uh, and that is all we have for Ask RCB. If you ever want to ask an RCB, uh, use the hashtag Ask RCB or just reply to the tweet. Or just Don't email Brandon Fields. Don't worry, you'll get more chances tomorrow to ask more questions. Or later tonight, by the time I upload this. Alright, let's do a preview here. They are playing a Power League team, but we don't know much about them. North Carolina State against number 3, Kansas. On Wednesday, November 23rd, hope you asked off work. It's at 11 in the morning. That's noon local time in the Bahamas. They are in the Bahamas. You're not. That sucks. The North Carolina State Wolfpack, like Kansas, are off to a 4-0 start this season. But their schedule has been very soft. Wins over Austin P, Campbell, Florida International, and Elon Musk, maybe? Or just the school? I don't know. Are all that they've played this year. Never a good thing when Elon Musk is probably the toughest <laughs> opponent you've played. Well, until recently, he's gotten pretty pretty wild, a little unpredictable lately. <laughs> he didn't just recently get wild, but... Well, that, it's, it's just become more to the forefront. It's a whole adventure at this point. Leading NC State is the backcourt duo, uh, Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner, who average 19 and 17 points per game, respectively, and they each add five assists. Smith is a wing that prefers driving to the basket more than catch and shoot. Well, Joyner is the team's true point guard, who is shooting over 50% from three thus far. Casey Morsel and Jack Clark are the other primary guards for this team. Jack Clark. I can't believe he's not white. He's not, but you would uh-huh. if I told you he was, you'd I thought him. he was. Nick, about the bigs. The uh, team's leading rebounder is Dusan Mahorkic, a uh, 6'10 big body from <laughs> nice. Serbia who adds 10 points and 8 rebounds while shooting over 70% from the floor. They do have a 6'9", 275-pound okay. center in DJ Burns, uh, prone throughout his career and struggles, uh, Val prone throughout his career and struggles to stay on the floor. Yeah, he averaged 15 points a game last year. This was a good player, uh, but man, we're talking like a foul every four and a half minutes every year of his career, so uh, just can't stay on the floor. They're going to lean on KJ Adams to do that. Uh, the Wolfpack, this, this is not quite as... The situation that we were just in with uh, uh, Southern, is it Southern Utah? That's who they just played. With Southern Utah in the sense that we saw good numbers against bad teams and didn't know what they were about. But it's kind of similar because they are D1 teams, but we still don't really know. The Wolfpack's strongest stats are two-point percentage scoring, uh, forcing turnovers, they've been great at that, and pace of play, very fast team. They take a crap load of threes. They love launching the ball which always goes great when Kansas is playing. Uh, but it's hard to know exactly how many of these stats they're actually good at because they've only played cupcakes. They haven't been great on the glass, and they've been brutal on the offensive glass. But part of that is because they've shot a really high percentage in these games to begin with. There's not a lot of misses to rebound. 
Uh, through four games, they are a good, not great 37% on threes as a team with an incredibly high volume. Kansas has played NC State 12 times, winning 11 of those. Uh, the one loss was the first game of the series. These teams played regularly back in the 80s and 90s. They've only played one time since 1996, which came in the Sweet 16 of the 2012 Final Four run. Uh, Kansas beat the Wolfpack 60-57 to en route to the NCAA title game appearance, which of course was a loss to Kentucky, but they took out the Wolfpack on their way. What significant event happened in that 2012 Kansas-North Carolina State? There was a statistic, there was a, something that had never been done before in Kansas history that happened that day. Do you remember? No clue. Nick? No. It, it involves a player that I think his numbers should be hung up on the north wall at Allen Fieldhouse, and that, or in the south I'm wall, and that's Jeff, Jeff Withy, who That is oh, the tri- only game— blocks? Not quite a triple-double. Cole Aldrich was the triple-double in the tournament guy. Oh. But that is the uh, the most, uh, tying the Kansas record, 10 blocks in an NCAA tournament game. Unreal. Yep. He's, I believe, still has the record with 31 for most blocks in a tournament that year. Just absolutely crazy. All right, we don't know anything about North Carolina State, uh, but just based on the fact that Kansas was paired with them makes me think, usually when they, they pair these tournaments, they're, they want the big draw to last a while, so they give them one of the weaker teams to start. So I'm going to assume the schedule makers know more about this than we do, and I'm going to take Kansas to win a high-scoring, entertaining offensive game. I'm going to be watching this from my desk at work, so I really hope that there's not a lot to scream at because I'm not very composed sometimes during these games. But I'm going to take Kansas to win kind of comfortably, 83-70. to 70. I think the Jayhawks play well. I look for Jalen Wilson to continue playing well in a fast-paced, downfield sort of tempo game. And I like MJ Rice to make some contributions off the bench. Kansas should score in this game. And I think you see Rice now getting healthier, make a nice contribution. I'm going to say 10 points for MJ Rice off the bench in this game. I'm also going to take a somewhat high-scoring game uh, and a Kansas win. I'm going to say 84-75 in a game that is pretty fast, up and down. I think you're going to see a good game from Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson, as I'm going to say, as always from this point on. Uh, It will be interesting to see who that third and fourth guy ends up being for the Jayhawks, but they get a win, uh, a solid win over a fast-paced, high-scoring team. Kansas 83, NC State 70. I think that they're going to have, a like you guys said, a a pretty fast-paced. The rims are usually pretty soft in this ballroom they play at in uh, Atlantis. So I think Kansas They were for Ryan Archie Diacono the last time they played down there. So I think Kansas is going to control the tempo of this game. Um, expect a good game from Grady Dick might be the uh, leading point scorer this game for the uh, first time this season. All right. So we all like the Jayhawks to win. Let's see who we like them to play. The second game, which tips off 30 minutes after this game concludes Dayton, formerly in the top 25. They took an LDU and LV. So they are now not in the top 25 against Wisconsin battle of red. Who do you like to come out of that one? Uh, give me Wisconsin because I want to see it. Yeah, I think, I think the Badgers are slightly better than Dayton. I, I I will say Dayton just to be different than you guys. I don't have any idea how good either of these teams is. Uh, I'm looking. I'm trying to find what what does ESPN thinks going to happen in this game. They got the the ESPN BPI has Dayton at a 54-46 split. They have the Badgers as a two point underdog. So basically a coin flip. I'll take Dayton. They seem to always play pretty well in these sort of events. On the other side of the bracket, BYU against USC. Battle of uh, Big 12 Slayer and future Big 12 opponent. Who wins in that one? 
I'm going to take USC. BYU. Yeah, I think the Cougars win. I, they, they also, like Dayton, seem to play pretty well in this tournament. That game is also a one-point spread in Vegas, so basically a toss-up there as well. And then Butler against number 22, Tennessee. The Vols are the only other ranked team in the field. you got to think the schedule makers are hoping that it's a Kansas-Tennessee final, but uh, do you guys think Butler has anything to do with uh, maybe derailing those plans? I'm going to no. take the Vols here. Yeah, I think the Vols win. Uh, it's been a while since the game that we thought we were going to get was the one that actually happened. Like, remember when everybody thought it'd be Kansas and Michigan State and Maui, and last year we all thought it'd be Kansas and Alabama, and it wasn't. Uh, but in this at this point in time, I will still go with the Vols. Our other games in Pick'em, one of the games has already happened. We put it on the list to pick. You guys took uh, Nevada, and I went with Jerome Field of Tang to beat Kansas State. So, how about that? KSU, 5-0. I get a dub in that one. The other two, Maui semifinals. We're setting up a championship game tomorrow. Number 10, Creighton against number 9, Arkansas. I think the winner of this game wins the tournament. Give me the Blue Jays in a thriller. Yeah, I, uh, I went with Arkansas earlier. I'm going to stick with Arkansas. I said uh, Creighton earlier. I'm going to stick with Creighton. And number 17, San Diego State against number 14, Arizona. Man, good fields both here in Continental Tire, Las Vegas. Good stuff. Um, we're all going with Arizona, right? We think they're better. I think they should be. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Arizona. All right, so that, if we all have that game, uh, I guess we can go ahead and set up a Maui final, right? Uh, the winner of Creighton, Arkansas, against the winner of San Diego State, Arizona. I think Creighton beats Arizona in the finals. I think the winner of Creighton, Arkansas, will beat Arizona as well. I think Arizona will beat Creighton. Interesting. All right. We'll see how that goes. That'll probably screw up pick them and hypotheticals or whatever, but who cares? We'll roll we'll with it. So you're going to get a lot of shows this week. We're planning to give you at least three uh, because there's going to be another game we're going to record tomorrow night. And normally I wait till the next day. I'll probably just go ahead and pump that one out uh, on Thursday or right at the end of the day, Wednesday, because Kansas is going to play on Thanksgiving morning at 10 as long as they win tomorrow. So uh, look for Rapid Fire Boom 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 podcast this week. We are going to go again very, very soon. But until then, this is the Inside the Paint podcast on Rock Chuck Vlog, and I'm Ryan Landry. And I'm Landon Fields. And I'm Dick Whitebird. I would tell you to enjoy your Thanksgiving, but we'll talk to you before that. So enjoy cleaning the house for Thanksgiving. Listen to your wife. If she wants you to vacuum, vacuum the house, you sloppy pig. She's doing more work than you. listen to your girlfriend. Yep. What's that? <laughs> Let's go, ass. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.